Sarah, can you hear me? Okay. Um, Jonathan made me sound so much better than I really am. <laughs> when we were talking about sort of like, oh, what if, tell us a little bit about your life. I was like, well, I homeschool and I have teenagers and I argue with them a lot. So I don't really have much of a resume. Um, but really just my encouragement is that God has used people throughout the entire Bible, throughout history, that the world probably wouldn't pick. They didn't have much of a resume. Um, and so I'm just excited to be able to be here this morning. Um, I'm a little shaky. I'm not a professional speaker. I am a mom. So um, we'll hope that that doesn't get too crazy. Um, I'm really excited just to be able to talk about forgiveness. As Christians, we talk a lot about forgiveness, and we should. Um, the entire gospel hinges on that. Um, just our, how we've been forgiven, how it was Christ or God's plan from the very beginning to send Jesus to die for our sins and save us um, and free us from the bondage that is our sin. And that is amazing. If we can get that, if we can get that truth, if we can understand that we've been forgiven from even the most horrible things that we have ever done or will ever do, we'll live in a level of freedom that many people will never have. The hard part for us, I think, is that we don't talk as much about the fact that God asks us to extend that same forgiveness that he extends to us, um, to other people and people that hurt us. Um, C.S. Lewis said, Everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until we have something to forgive. And that's just how it goes. That's how forgiveness is. It's something that's really incredible to receive and really difficult to extend. I found that though a lot of times when God is preparing me for something new or something um, different or bigger, um, just spiritually, he starts to point out places in my heart where I'm harboring unforgiveness. Like that's where he starts. Um, and it's not because he's challenging me or testing me, but just because he loves me and he wants me to have a new level of freedom and an ability to respond to him in new ways. So in talking about forgiveness, Henry Nguyen, who was a Dutch um, theologian and priest, he said, forgiveness is the way to the freedom of the children of God. It's the way to freedom. So receiving it, extending it, forgiveness is the way to freedom. And one of the times in my life that God really started to teach me about forgiveness and what that was, was about 10 years ago. And at that point in my life, I, had, I grew up in a Christian home. I had been a Christian for as long as I can remember. My earliest memories are of loving God. Um, and so I thought I knew what forgiveness was, um, but I had no idea. Um, I was really at a place then that God was really going to have to shake me to make me change and to realize that. Um, and because he is faithful, he did that for me. Um, in order for my story to make sense, I have to take you just quickly to my senior year of college um, because that was the year that I was raped. Um, the details really aren't important. Um, there are a lot of questions, so I'll tell you that it was an acquaintance, it was not a date, and nobody was drunk. Afterward, there were all the fun things that come with trauma. 
had nightmares and flashbacks, um, triggers. If you don't know what those things are, um, I think you should just praise God for that. Um, right after it happened, I had two very close friends that were my roommates, and I told them and only them, and they dealt with it, and they dealt with me very compassionately um, and very kindly. And However, we were a few 20-year-olds who were really panicked, and we probably made some pretty poor choices about how I dealt with things initially, but we made those choices together, and they were walking with me, and that was good. However, after about two or three weeks, when I wasn't over it yet, they started to avoid me. Um, really, generally, I think they just didn't know what else to do. They just didn't know what else to do with me to make it better, to make me better. Um, so they avoided me. Um, for me, I felt rejected, I felt betrayed, I felt abandoned. And those things, on top of the other things that I was dealing with, really just brought me to a place emotionally just of crisis. Um, I had never dealt with anything so difficult. Also, I was really wrapped up in what people thought of me. So in sort of deciding what to do next, I just decided not to tell anybody. I wasn't going to tell anybody else. Um, and that's what I did for a year. Um, a year later, though, I was graduated from college. I was sort of with a new group of people. I was still dealing a lot um, with the effects of trauma. And so I decided that I would try and tell my story again. Um, because, though, I was just so hurt and broken at that time, I interpreted their response when I told my story again um, to mean that they thought I should be over it, too. Um, so, just like at first, I felt rejected, I felt abandoned, I felt alone, and I decided to pretend it didn't happen. Even just a conscious choice. Like I said, that didn't happen to me. Like somehow, if I just had a strong enough will, I could pretend it away and just go back to being who I was before that happened. Um, and I didn't make the connection at the time, but from that moment, when I made that choice not to deal with anything and really just to pretend it away, I became a walking definition of a hypocrite. I was as sweet as possible on the outside. I loved God. I wanted to serve him. I wanted people to see that and to think that of me. But on the inside, I didn't trust anyone. I saw people as something to protect myself from and not something to help me at all. Um, I took up offenses really easily, but I didn't talk to people about that because it wasn't Christian to be offended. So I just sort of nurtured privately this dark bitterness and created a quiet darkness in my heart where it just grew really rampant. Although I was pretending on the outside, I wanted to be very sweet and very just whatever my notions of what a Christian would be. Um, meanwhile, during this time, this whole time, um, 10 years pass, and I got married, and we had children. I mean, I lived life. I did what people do. Um, I did remember that somewhere in my past there was this crazy event, um, and I knew that I didn't respond to it well or at all, um, and that resulted in a lot of 
cracked and broken relationships. Um, because when you're pretending to be something you're not, you don't want anyone to get too close. Um, if people start to get close and they see that bitterness in your heart, they start to ask questions about maybe where that came from. And I was not going to answer those questions. Um, so I felt like two different people. Just a public me and a private me that held people at arm's length. Um, I was the one that the scripture is warning about in Hebrews 12, 15, when it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I did that. I fell short of the grace that was there. Um, but meanwhile, during this great time for me, um, I started to volunteer at a place called the Pregnancy Care Center, which, um, as Jonathan said, is a pro-life uh, ministry in Lawrence, where I live. And one day, after I'd been there a little while, a, I was a counselor there, a girl came in, and she had been raped. And I just shut down. I couldn't even tell her that it happened to me, too. I couldn't exhibit an appropriate level of compassion for her. I don't even know what she said. Because the whole time she was talking, I was just thinking, why can't I even make my face look like I care? And I was devastated. I was there to help. And when the opportunity came for me to be a help, I was completely unequipped for the job. After that, I felt like a failure. I just, by God's grace, it sent me to him. And so I just began to pray and cry out and ask him, like, why can't I tell my story? Why can't I help people when I've forgiven and been healed? Because I shoved it down really far, and I was calling that forgiveness. And I moved on with my life, and I called that healing. Um, but God showed me pretty quickly um, in my desperation just that that was not what happened. I had not forgiven, and I was not healed. So I came at forgiveness kind of through the back door. So what I have this morning are a few things that forgiveness is not, because I did things completely wrong. So first and foremost, forgiveness is not pretending that something didn't happen. I mean, if we think about it, that is not at all how God forgives our sins. He doesn't pretend they didn't happen. If that were acceptable, we would be cheapened as his creation, as image bearers of a loving God who created us. Um, it would also mean that we didn't need Jesus to die for us on the cross. It would be an empty sacrifice. Um, so forgiveness isn't breaking the rules. God doesn't break the rules when he forgives us. He follows them. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And when sin came into the world, people, not just people, but a system was developed, a very complex system of identifying and atoning for sin. It's the first five books of the Bible. It's a very complicated system to keep people right with God in spite of sin. And when Jesus came, when God sent him to die for us, since he fulfilled that whole law, his one act fulfilled that whole law. So forgiveness is obeying the law. It's fulfilling the law. It's not breaking the law. And second, and this is my favorite point, 
Um, forgiveness is not a process that sidesteps the issue of justice. And for me, and really I think for all of us at some point, like, I have this insatiable desire to see justice done. And forgiveness doesn't feel like justice. A lot of times forgiveness feels like we're being asked to give something to someone who already stole something from us. Like, I don't want to give them something. They took something from me, and I'd like it back. But, sorry, can also feel like we're left to pay the bill after somebody else already helped themselves. So, sort of this buffet of our confidence, our peace, our self-worth, or our emotional stability. Like, we've been asked to pay the bill for something that they took. But thankfully, the truth is that how that feels isn't true. Um, And whenever there is a sin or an offense, there is a debt that has to be paid. There is a debt. We really did need Jesus to make atonement for us on that cross. So really, that feeling that somebody has to pay, or the Bible calls it make recompense, that's a justified feeling. That's something that's true. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And so, whose blood? Who, who, who's paying that price? Well, where we tend to go wrong is that we think it makes sense that the person who's paying that price is the person who sinned against us or wronged us or offended us or hurt us. Um, It makes sense. And we want to be the ones to make sure that they pay because that's going to feel good. But that's not how God has worked things out in his kingdom. That's actually called revenge. And it hurts our hearts really profoundly. And because God is kind and loving, he forbids us to pursue it. In Romans 12, 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. And in Isaiah 61, God himself offers the recompense that's owed to us. He says, Instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. And that was actually really important to me because I wanted twice of what was stolen from me. Um, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense in truth. And so the truth is, that debt that has been created, it's already been paid. When God offered his son Jesus as a payment for all sins, he accepted Christ's blood as that payment. So all the offenses and all the sins committed against me, have already been paid for by what Jesus did at the cross. So, thankfully, then, forgiveness is something that happens between me and God. It doesn't involve me giving anything to the person who's hurt me, because God paid that price. So, true forgiveness is between me and God, and it starts with a choice, and it's sort of a twofold choice. You have to choose to believe that Christ's blood was potent enough to pay for the sins of the people that hurt me in the same way that it pays for my own sins. I also have to acknowledge and believe that I, don't, I can't usurp God's authority by withholding a forgiveness that he paid such a high price to extend. It's not... 
We can't choose to withhold forgiveness without sinning ourselves. It's not a valid choice. We're sinning. It's important. We're sinning when we choose not to forgive. It's not me giving up my right. Like sometimes we hear, like, oh, we lay down our rights. Like, we don't have the right to pursue vengeance or, or payment for the things done against us. But God has that right. We're not God. But the comfort is that he's already done it. He did it. It's paid for. So when we choose not to forgive, and when we choose not to deal with things, we're choosing not to forgive. We're choosing to be enslaved emotionally to somebody else. We're choosing slavery. We waste all of our best thoughts on the wrong things, and we remain under their control. Unforgiveness is a thing. It's a thing, and it takes up real space in our hearts, that bitter root the Bible talks about. That means that less of our hearts are available to offer to God, to respond to him, or to others, the people that we want to love and serve. There's less of our hearts available for those things. And as sin, unforgiveness also separates us from God. It can slow or stop our spiritual growth. It can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. In her book, Strong Women in Soft Hearts, Paula Reinhart describes it this way, and I love this. It says, a harbored wrong can control a life. It becomes what we feed off of, and we feel full, but we're full of awful stuff. And that's really what happened to me for a decade. I fed off of the same awful stuff. In Mark 11, the Bible says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven can also forgive you of your sins. Forgiveness is so important to God that he asks us to extend it before we ask him to extend it to us. So what does forgiving look like? Like, what does that look like? Well, the best description that I've seen of a choice to forgive, especially a deep wound, um, sounds something like this. I'm no longer looking to the one who hurt me to make it up to me. I'm not waiting for this person to change, to feel sorry, or even to apologize. I release them from having to make me okay. I make the decision to look to God to make me okay. And the person who hurt me is no longer going to be God in my life. So the danger for me in sharing a story that happened 10 or 20 years ago is sort of coming off like I'm saying, oh, I learned about forgiveness, and now I don't deal with it anymore. But that's not true at all. (laughs) I'm married, and I have four kids and two and a half teenagers, one's 12. And we deal with this every day. You know, I have friends, and, and as long as we're broken people living in a broken world with other broken people, forgiveness is something we walk through every day. And it's still difficult. Um, And just really, even the last couple of months, um, as I was first giving, um, preparing this, God showed me a place in my heart where I had chosen to forgive, but I wasn't being faithful in carrying that out. Um, So my thoughts and feelings were really still just playing and replaying the same old things, even though I had said that I had made a decision to forgive. And so what if that happens? Like, what if we make that decision to forgive, and we even maybe even do some work, and we seem to follow all the right steps, 
and we just can't let it go. Like, what if our emotions just don't get any better? Um, and that's what I spent some time battling recently in the last uh, few months. I knew how to forgive. I knew that process. And I even initially thought it would be easy, and so I started some work. Um, but there were a couple of things that God had to remind me of. Um, see, when I really learned about forgiveness the first time, I was 10 years out from what happened to me. And so there were some things that happened on a superficial basis, um, but more recently when it was relational and immediate and fresh, there were some things that I had to remember. And the first was that the Bible tells me to pray for the people who hurt me. And at the beginning, that was a really difficult thing to do, but I decided to do it recently. And I got to tell you, when I started, my prayers were pretty cheap. And look, we've all prayed cheap prayers. Like somebody disagrees with us and they say something mean, and so we pray, oh, Lord, let them agree with me. Let them see that I'm right and just come to me. You know, but that's the kind of prayer that God showed me pretty quickly because he's more faithful than I am, that that doesn't bring transformation for me at all. And so he, the Holy Spirit really challenged me to pray more deeply and to even do a little bit of research. And what is this person believing for? What do they want? Lord, answer their prayers. Um, and that was really difficult, but I did spend some time doing it. Um, after spending some time, though, it did get better. I did make some progress, but I was still just really hurt. There was something about it that I just wasn't shaken. And the real key for me, most especially recently, was confession. I have a friend that I trust, and I had to confess to her that I could not forgive what had happened to me. I'd, I was doing the right steps. You know, it, it just isn't about a three-step process. It's just about obeying God till we get the victory at the end. And so it was so powerful to me to confess that by the time I got home from telling her, I, I'm trying, I can't do this, and really she didn't have a lot of sympathy for me. She was like, well, great, keep trying. I'll pray for you. <laughs> and so I got home, and really by the time I got home, I was sort of making a plan. I like to make plans. I was making a plan of how I was going to get through this. And as I began to think about it, like it was gone. Like, those feelings, that bitterness, like, it just wasn't even there. And I didn't have to follow a plan, because God just healed my heart right there. And what happens is that root, that bitter root, it grows in the quiet, dark spaces of our hearts. And when we shine that light of confession on them, on that root, it just chokes it out. It can't grow anymore. And if it doesn't happen as immediately, at least now you've got someone praying for you and standing with you. Um, to get the victory at the end. I almost felt silly that I had struggled so long to begin with. It happened so quickly for me. Um, the last thing that I had to face about forgiveness, and probably the most difficult thing for me, was that it doesn't equal reconciliation. It opens the door to restored relationships, but rebuilding trust is something that becomes possible with forgiveness. It's not the same thing. 
So forgiveness happens between me and God, but reconciliation happens between me and another person. And after I worked through that forgiveness process, especially at the beginning, and look, it was a process that took time. I had to memorize scripture. I had to be ready. I had 10 years of thoughts that I loved to go back to and just feel sorry for myself or make an excuse for the way I acted or didn't act or react. I had to have that scripture there and ready to confess and change those thoughts. And at first it was very difficult and I was not very successful. But the more that I was just faithful, just faithful to do a little bit more and make it a goal to be a little bit better the next day, God just continued to extend a grace to me to be more successful and more faithful in those things. And he began to really change my heart. Um, I still had, through that process, though, some relationships that I had ruined that I needed to deal with and work on. Um, there were people I hadn't been real with for 10 years. So how do you, I didn't even know how to be real. I didn't know how to be transparent. I wasn't sure what even that looked like for me. Um, so there was a lot of work for me to do. Because when we harbor unforgiveness, it doesn't just affect us. It affects all our relationships. The people who had never hurt me, those were the people that I hurt because I couldn't be real with them. I did find, though, that the more I lived out that decision, the more I was able even just to walk, I call it an attitude of forgiveness. I used to just run into rude people all the time. Like people, I always felt like everyone was rude. Everyone was, I don't know, just against me somehow. But even just, you know, at the grocery store, you run into rude people. But as I began to walk that out, like even those little things, all those things, all the relational things with the people you live with or, you know, the people that you deal with on a daily basis, they just don't bother me anymore. I really have much more freedom emotionally in dealing with people. And I almost never run into rude people at the grocery store anymore. <laughs> because it's amazing how much nicer people are when your heart is right with God. So... It's been just an amazing journey uh, with God for me. It's enabled me just to walk in so much more freedom. Um, I can forgive pretty quickly if I am hurt or offended, generally. Um, it's helped me to love people in ways that I never could before. Um, I did volunteer for a long time in a crisis pregnancy center, and the only way I was able to do that for so long was because God brought me through this process um, and enabled me to love people in a way that I hadn't even dreamed was possible. And so if there's just one thing that I want us to come away with this morning, it's just that forgiveness is both an event. It's something we choose. Today, you can choose it. But it's also a process. It's a transformational process, um, like many things many disciplines in the Christian life. Um, when we choose to forgive, all we're doing is affirming our belief in the power of the God who spoke the universe into existence. He spoke it into existence. And we're trusting that powerful God to bless us and do good to us, despite any circumstances that we might have encountered. He's promised that he would do that for us, 
And there's just, there's no risk. There's no risk in believing him. Um, 